630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. to hear some leopard i don't know if i really like let's it's a it's a power ballad is it really a love song though about being bitten by love i, I mean the lyrics the 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 subject of the song the song's uh, protagonist does not seem overly happy for uh, for the majority of it well all of it nonetheless classic track off 1987's Hysteria. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Reed Wilkins with you. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you had a good Monday. Hope you had a great weekend. We'll transition to the face-off show at 7. And uh, that'll run until about 20 after 8. And then we'll get into the play-by-play of the Oilers and the Sharks as Edmonton will try to win their second in a row under new head coach Jay Woodcroft. The Sharks coming into this game 1-3-2 uh, and two in their last six. Uh, Vander Kane going back into San Jose for the first time since they terminated his contract. The Super Bowl yesterday came down to the final couple of minutes with the Rams edging the Bengals 23-20. To discuss that, a gentleman who some people have described as the greatest athlete in the history of the city of Edmonton. Now, I don't personally know any of those people, but Blake Dermott is on the line. Hi, Blake. Wow. Well, I got to bring you in hot. I got to hype you up, baby. Well, you got to bring me in realistic, though. Hey. You got to give me a fighting chance. The, 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 the younger people won't know the difference. They're just now Googling Blake Dermott, greatest athlete. <laughs> Well, okay. <laughs> well, anyway, how are you doing, buddy? Thanks for making time for us. Yes, and I'm doing pretty good. It was a it was a great game yesterday. I thought um, everything about it was uh, was uh, the way the NFL puts on a show. I tell you what, they from the uh, the, the the four uh, the four to five day uh, pregame show and the uh, <laughs> the halftime show that. Uh, was uh, probably worth more than uh, the uh, <laughs> national uh, uh, economics of uh, most countries. Uh, it was uh, it was an outstanding show, and then and then the game uh, lived up to a you know a, I think a, a pretty good matchup between these two teams. Although it was funny how everybody was picking the LA Rams, which of course I think they 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 have good reason for that. I thought their defense was outstanding, and this team was just absolutely built for this uh, 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 to win the, the Super Bowl this year, but. But boy, that uh, that uh, Cincinnati Bengals team was pretty pesky, and they they fought right to the end. And uh, you know, and I, I I was I was kind of pulling for the Cincinnati, uh, but I tell you what, there's uh, an awful lot of fantastic stories over there in, in that LA Rams uh, locker room, and and uh, it was a uh, it was uh, two good teams and and uh, a lot of really good players that uh, got a chance to play in the big game that m- most of them will never do again. Yeah, you know, it was it, it was a close game. It was an exciting game. I, like I said to Jalen, it wasn't it wasn't thrilling in the same way Bills and Chiefs was thrilling. Though then again, that game may be impossible to match. But it, it was certainly compelling because the, the defenses and the defensive lines took took over as the game went on, Blake. And I got to admit, the Cincinnati defensive line, especially in terms of stopping the run did way better than I thought they would. Like, I thought the Rams' defensive line could get sacks, and I think they got seven to tie a, uh, a Super Bowl record, plus the last 
play doesn't officially account as a sack because Burrow threw the ball. But man, oh man, the Bengals' run defense especially stepped up. I thought. Well, that was a team that got that got, I think uh, continued to get better over the course of the year. You know, the Rams started off one, uh, seven and one, and then had a little bit of a dip, and then came back again. But this this Bengals team was just playing better and better and better by the end of the year. And and even though you know that that uh, the defense of the Rams was supposed to be the thing that was the, the uh, and, and and ultimately at the end of the day it probably was the determined the uh, the outcome of the game. Um, I thought that offensive line of the Bengals did a decent job. I, yeah, there was seven sacks. Yeah, there was uh, um, uh, Burroughs getting pounded. You got to remember this is a guy I think he gave up ten sacks in in one playoff game this year already. He is getting the you know the heck beat out of him, and uh, that's the area that they've really got to try to be better is they got to, they got to improve that that, that offensive line, that, that running back group that's going to be blocking for them and all of those things. And if they do, this is going to be a team that's going to be pretty strong for a long time. But Aaron Donald, uh, you know, some people have said that he's the best defensive player in the, in the league. And, uh, and he just, you know, he showed it. He showed it in the game. He, uh, uh, with the, the big play at the end of the game, obviously, but uh, the stars on the, on LA came out and played, uh, even though they lost Odell Beckham. Uh, 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 sorry, uh, yeah, uh, uh, Odell was out uh, early in the game with the knee, and uh, and then the uh, uh, Cooper Cup uh, and and uh, Aaron Donald, that defensive line, those guys just the stars came to play and they played and they uh, and they determined the game. A couple of plays. Um... The defensive holding penalty on Logan Wilson. It was, I'm just double-checking the game log here. It was uh, third and goal from the eight. Quick little pass over the middle, the cup. And uh, Logan Wilson got called for defensive holding. A game in which they hadn't called a lot of penalties. Now, I, I like to think that that's more on the penalties than the officials when there aren't a lot of flags. Um I mean, I think the second one, the the interference on Eli Apple, to me, that was a, a, an obvious pass interference. Did you think that that was uh, a, a hold, though, on Logan Wilson? Uh, you know, I never thought that a sport would adopt a let the players determine the game uh, like the NHL of the 1980s and early 90s, like the NFL does in a big game. Because if those plays had been, if those, especially the, on the one touchdown where a guy grabs a face mask and pulls a guy down, you know, those kinds of things, you know, (laughs) those, those kinds of things would never happen in the CFL, uh, in, in, in basketball, those kinds of, those kinds of fouls. A foul is a foul. It doesn't matter what time of the game it is. It's called, but the NFL lets them play, lets them be more physical, the grabbing, the holding of the hands. I don't know how many times you see in a, in a season where some receiver has to make an unbelievable one-handed catch. Well, it's because the defensive back is holding his other hand, literally grabbing him by the wrist and can't get it up. <laughs> can't get it up to make a two-handed catch, but they let that stuff go. So from that standpoint, that was really no different than what's going on over the course of the season. And do I like the way they allow that stuff to go? No, I, I don't. I I some people just say let them play, let them be physical, let them do all of those kinds of things. But but I want to see I want to see guys make uh, make a, a great plays more often. And and I think the the one thing that the one knock I've got because it was late in the game, and uh, I think when that Wilson play happened, if I remember yep. right, there was only the second penalty or something that was called. Like it was weird in the fourth quarter. There had only been a couple penalties through the whole game. How does that happen in a football game? Like there's, it's a, it's a violent sport. It's a, it's a, 
a sport where, where you know, things are going to happen, hands are going to get in wrong places, and to only have two penalties tells me the refs were just letting it go, and uh, they weren't going to make, they weren't going to determine the biggest game in, in uh, of the year by a call that they're going to make, and and I think sometimes that's that's not fair to the game. Yeah, well, the the Bengals had two other penalties before that. Uh, the guy that wasn't playing ran onto the field to celebrate, which was dumb. Oh, that's right. And, yeah. And then the and then the other guy got the penalty for the uh, for punching the guy. Well, not punching the guy, but kind of that shove to the face, Max. So the refs didn't have. I mean, the the final tally was the Rams took two penalties for ten yards, and the Bengals took four penalties for thirty-one. And remember, yeah. they had offsetting penalties on that play on those drives as well. So that, that those are ones that didn't actually uh, impact the overall yards. Yeah, I, I like how you you explain that, and I think that's one where where Bengals fans could probably say, man, oh man, I wish the ref had just looked the other way on that one. But you mentioned too, the offensive, I mean, here's the thing about that one on the long bomb touchdown where the receiver, uh, you know, grabbed Ramsey's face mask. I will say that it will say this at full speed. That might've been pretty tough for the official to see. I mean, at slow motion, obviously you could see it, but I'm thinking, well, show it at, at full, at full speed. And and it might be hard to tell that the hand actually got into the mask that way. That's I don't know. Maybe do you, you think different? Well, the fifty-fifty ball is such a big part of the NFL game now, where the ball's thrown up because you got the six-foot-four receivers and you got the corners that are six-foot-three, and guys can jump and and they throw the ball up and they and they want guys to make plays. And and uh, but every time there's a fifty-fifty play, if that was a, if that was a CFL, you you could have a penalty called because because somebody is holding somebody grabbing somebody hitting them before the ball gets there and if the rules say that that's illegal and that's a penalty it should be called and i and i and and it's it's sometimes it's so blatant but they say yeah well they're both doing it well they're all, one guy's doing it and the other guy's defending himself it's 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 not like they're both initiating how can that possibly be one guy's initiating it and that guy should be called but but th- that's the that's the way the NFL is called, and that's the way fans of the NFL and, and certainly players of the NFL want it to, to remain. Um, I find it a little frustrating um, uh, when when they, they the league itself is limiting their offensive capabilities by allowing that stuff to happen. Yeah, uh, are you? Do you think Burrow's career trajectory is that he's going to be an elite quarterback now for the Bengals for years to come? Well, if he doesn't get, uh, if they don't help protect him. If they don't, uh, if they continue to to allow this guy to get hit, like I'm, I'm not even sure how many sacks he took over the course of the year, but but I, uh, over the course of playoffs, I think he's in the, I think he's got to be at, at over 20. If seven yesterday and 10 in one other game, there's 17 just in two games. So so he's that that's got to stop. They've got to they've got to uh, protect him a little bit better. And um, if they do, I think this team is on the right the right uh, path uh, going forward. Uh, you know that. The, uh, it's funny when you mentioned earlier about the, the guy that wasn't playing uh, uh, got a penalty for coming on the field. Uh, you know that'd be too bad. Be, you know when when you got when you're not even playing in the game and you take the last penalty of your career. Um, that's uh, that's. <laughs> I, I don't think we'll ever see that guy play in that league again after that one. <laughs> Uh, yeah, not a good way to make it. Imp- you shouldn't be impacting the game if you're in street close, right? Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, yeah, interesting game. Uh, Rams, a uh, uh, Vernon Hargreaves, that was his name. I just was double-checking his name. Yeah. Yeah, an inactive player. Got well, pretty, okay, yeah. so in the halftime show, who were your two standouts? Oh, I don't know. I like I'd heard of all those people, but I don't know the music. Um, 
Okay. I, I, I thought say... it was a good. I thought it was a good show. Like I'm not a big halftime show person. Yeah. Um, I, I certainly, I certainly get that it was a bunch. Like I, I know they got some huge names, but I, I didn't recognize many of the songs or anything like that. But uh, yeah, I don't know who was it for you. Well, I thought Mary J. Blige and, and uh, Eminem were the ones that stole the show. I, I thought right. so. Those two, those two were fantastic. But, uh, but yeah, no, I, I'm uh, again. Uh, and, and the interesting thing the whole time of going through this, going, how old is this guy? How old? Is they're all around fifty, so they're all. <laughs> Yeah, I think, I think Kendrick Lamar is a little younger, right? But yeah, uh, I'll but just I double think check that, it. Uh, uh, um, uh, Snoop Dogg is fifty-three, and uh, Dr. Dre is like fifty-one. Yeah, the other, I think even Eminem is forty-nine or forty-eight. So yeah, so they're all yeah. Kendrick Lamar is thirty-four. He was the baby of the bunch. Yeah, <laughs> but it was. But you're right. I mean, it was a great spectacle. I loved how they set it up with all those little houses and the big map of LA on the on the field. Like I always find. You know, whenever there's a halftime show, it's always like, oh, best one ever, or oh, it sucked. And I'm like, there's never really a bad halftime show. It's like you said, they spend so much money on it. It's going to be a spectacle. I think yeah. it just comes down to what mood you're in and how much you like that artist of that genre of music, right? Yeah. But I, I mean, I, I don't think I've ever seen a halftime show where it's like, oh, man, they didn't have any special effects. Well, no, they're going to have, like, a, it's going to be an absolute <laughs> eye popper no matter what. <laughs> No, no, it, but, just like but one I, guy I shining game, a flashlight on the stage. <laughs> I thought the game lived up for, uh, to uh, its billing. I thought it was, uh, you know, when you consider that there were there were uh, 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 a lot of other teams uh, were expected to be there in, instead of these two teams. I thought there was a, it was a good show and and uh, great story. Matt Stafford, you know how that, that guy goes and plays twelve years in, in Detroit and never wins a playoff game and then wins a game and everybody always thought he was a decent quarterback until he got gets to LA and, and has a chance to be surrounded by a good team and and uh, you know Aaron Donald saying before the game that this could be his last game we'll be uh, waiting to see what happens over the next week or so let's see whether or not he's, he's going to walk away from the game and and then uh, you know uh, they, they lose a like a, an outstanding receiver like Odell Beckham and uh, right uh, early in the game and he's out with a knee and and guys like uh, you know other guys have to step in and take over and 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 when you know that you really only got one receiver and everybody in the house in the world knows you only got one receiver and uh, they throw the ball at the Cooper Cup uh, how many times in that last drive in the last couple of drives and, and he, he, that guy's just money. So it was, from that standpoint, it's, you know, when the stars have to perform, those guys really did. All right. Blake, before I let you go, it's, it is never boring, as we're quickly discovering with Chris Jones back with the Edmonton Elks. Deron Carter has yeah. been signed today. He is announced as a defensive back, even though he was usually a receiver when he was in the CFL. He was also known for having perhaps a questionable attitude, and I think I'm putting that mildly. And, oh, by the way, he's been a head coach at a, a prep school in Florida since playing in 2019. Um, yeah. what, what do you think of this move? Well, I mean, here's a guy that uh, is uh, – Chris Jones is going out and trying to, to sign – people, athletes that he thinks can make a difference. And uh, the one thing about um, Deron Carter, when he played in the CFL and they used him as a DP, how many interceptions did the guy have? I think he had like three or four interceptions and he only played about five games. Like this, this is a guy who... two pick sixes too, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so this is a guy that was a talented guy, but there was a whole bunch of other baggage around him and there always has been baggage around him. So 
you know, uh, coaches are famous for giving guys another chance. And, and because if you're a talented player, you get more other chances than guys that are average uh, in talent. And Deron Carter is obviously somebody that, that uh, Coach Jones has been in contact with or, or he's been in contact with Coach Jones and, and has convinced him to give him another shot. Um, I, I, I played with guys like that over my period of my career, and, and uh, some guys worked out really well and some guys didn't. And, uh, you know, what, what are they going to lose by signing him? They bring him into a training camp. If the guy fits, he plays well, and he's proven to be, when he was, when he was playing well, the guy was a star in the CFL. Uh, if, he, if he doesn't uh, work out, it doesn't cost you anything, you can get rid of him. So I don't know. I'm I'm curious about it. I, I like a lot of people thought the same thing when I when I saw this, but uh, this is uh, somebody with some talent who's getting another chance. And uh, and you know when when you see that opportunity given to somebody, you hope that they 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 do the right thing with it and not uh, you know not show everybody that they haven't changed. Yeah, for sure. Well, like I said, it's it's not boring with Chris Jones back. That's for sure. There's it seems like there's always something going on. So that'll be fun to follow. Blake, it's always great having you on the show. Uh, no football for a while, but hopefully we can find an excuse to bring you on here before the Elks get into training camp. I really appreciate it, man. Okay, Reed. We'll talk to you later. That is the one and only Blake Dermott checking in. Great breakdown of the Super Bowl. And uh, Deron Carter signed by the Elks. Also running back Ante milanovic Litre, who was with Calgary the last few years. And the Elks released defensive back Darius Williams and quarterback Dakota Prukop, who we saw play uh, a little bit last season in kind of specialized situations. He went 18 for 26, throwing the ball. Face-off show is coming up at 7. Oilers and Sharks at 8.30. This is Inside Sports on Chet. After the first period, Detroit and Minnesota tied 2-2. Oilers and Sharks coming up on 6.30, Chet at 8.30. About to get underway in about 10 minutes, Toronto at Seattle. And the Blackhawks will take on the Winnipeg Jets. The Oilers back at it tomorrow in Los Angeles. Once again, a 7 o'clock face-off show game at 8.30. Busy time here for the Oilers. Five games in seven days. They got Anaheim coming up on Thursday, Winnipeg Saturday, Minnesota Sunday as uh, they are trying to move up in the Pacific Division. They took a good step with that win over the Islanders on Friday night. Evander Kane going back to San Jose. New Oilers head coach Jay Woodcroft on Kane. For me, uh, I've been nothing but impressed uh, with Evander Kane. I, I think uh, he's single-minded in in his purpose, and that's to get a win uh, tonight for the Edmonton Oilers, and that's what he's about. And um, you know, I'm sure he's excited to play in San Jose. Uh, but like I said, I, I know that he's single-minded in his purpose, which is uh, for our team to get two points tonight. All right, another big story today: the Montreal Canadiens sending Tyler to Foley. To the Calgary Flames, they get a conditional first-rounder. A 2024 fifth-rounder, Tyler Pitlick, a former Oiler and prospect winger, Emil Heineman. The Flames uh, doing really well on pace for 106 points. That would be their second most since they won the Stanley Cup back in 1980. 
nine. So that heats up the Battle of Alberta quite a bit as well. Oilers and Flames still with two meetings left this season. They're both going to be in Calgary. For the time being, we focus on the Oilers and Sharks. We'll transition to the face-off show. Bob Stoffer is going to check in after the 7 o'clock news. John Shannon will be along for the ride as well. Of course, Cam Moon and Rob Brown too. Talk to you in a few minutes. Thanks for tuning in to Inside Sports. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.